Our first reading today is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 31. May God bless to us the reading of God's word. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture comes from the book of Hebrews. And what you're going to hear is a very long list of all the people from the past that the Hebrew, author of Hebrews knows about. All these people who suffered and struggled and yet persevered in some way through faith. So hear now these words from the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And may God bless us that we may hear with wisdom and receive with joy what God is saying to the church this day. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely 
And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is a doozy of a scripture. It is also lectionary, which means that Christians all around the world were also reading that. It was set for last week when I was due to preach. It is good to be back with you all. I, watching, from, watching the service online, I got to see the faces of, or sometimes the backs of the heads, but the faces of lots of you, wonderful people. And I even saw who arrived at church late. I'll be... I'll be sending a note out later. Um, The scripture that we've been invited into to hear today draws us into the heart of this concern about saying the world is a very difficult and tough place, and yet faith is set before us. We hear in our scripture today a list of God's holy ones, who encountered in their life difficult times and who responded, we are told, in faith. Now, before we go too far into exploring the lives of these saints, I want to tell you a bit about another saint whom the Christian community lost in this last week. His name is Carl Frederick Beekner. He was an American writer, a novelist, a poet, autobiographer, essayist, preacher, and theologian, all wrapped into one. He was also an ordained Presbyterian minister and the author of 39 published books. In the first service, I asked, I said, raise your hand if you've heard of Frederick Beatner before. I saw one hand this morning, I see three or four. You're going to learn a little bit more about him. He published in all kinds of genres, including fiction and autobiography, essays and sermons, and his career spanned more than six decades. He was also my cousin. All right, granted, he is my eighth cousin once removed, (laughs) which means we have to go back to the 17th century to find a common ancestor. Nevertheless, I would like to take this moment to remember my cousin, Freddie who passed from this life earlier this week, and to reflect on his work in light of our scriptures today. The author of the letter to Hebrews wants us to remember the lives of the faithful who have gone on before us, whose stories may be lost to us. Frederick Beekner himself has said, for as long as you remember me, I am never entirely lost. Many Christians, I imagine, who were affected by his writings spent some time in this last week reflecting on the impact of his thoughts on the nature of faith and the nature of calling to Christian vocation. During my first semester in seminary, they arrive at the hallowed halls of Princeton Theological Seminary. First class, they hand us a book by Frederick Beekner called Now and Then, A Memoir of Vocation. And I remember that deep poetic nature of his writing resonated with me and I, something stirred within me the sense of being among kindred people. 
Here's a quote from that book that stood out for me. So in Beekner's words, if I were called upon to state in a few words the essence of everything I was trying to say, both as a novelist and as a preacher, it would be something like this. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is in the boredom and the pain of life, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell. Touch your way to the holy and hidden heart of life because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments and life itself is grace. Beekner's words echo the psalmists. Not maybe exactly, maybe it's better to say that Beekner's use of words to express the depth and mystery and the beauty of God, the hidden and holy heart of life, echoes the psalmists. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You indeed are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. The psalmist gives us something that we can touch and taste and smell. Here, a rock, a rock that is our refuge, a hidden place that becomes our hiding place, a fortress against the world's wild ways and a foundation upon which we can stand to face with grace everything that comes our way. This rock is known to us. Frederick Beekner says, touch, taste, and smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of life. For life itself is grace. Along with the psalmist, we might say, into your hand I give over my spirit, my whole self, my entire being, everything that I am. For you, O oh God, are my life, and you are trustworthy and steadfast. That holy and hidden heart of God bids us come and take refuge and rest and find rejuvenation and reconciliation and redemption and righteousness. The Lord says, oh, taste and see that I am good. It's why we're here. It is the gospel that is proclaimed throughout Scripture. The Lord is our rock, our rescuer, the one who holds us in the palm of that holy and hidden hand. The gospel we know in Jesus, who is God's redemption and righteousness and rest and reconciliation, is our rock of refuge. It is the gospel truth we proclaim even when all evidence to its truth seems hidden from our eyes. Because we know life is a little scary right now. The psalmist was no stranger to adversity. Why else would the psalmist say, help, Lord, my enemies are all around me. Like the psalmist, 
Frederick Buechner was no stranger to adversity. As a small child, his father moved the family every year, year after year, searching for employment, finding employment, losing employment, moving the family, and the pattern repeated and repeated until Frederick was nine years old. And his father committed suicide, feeling that he had failed his family. And in their pain and their confusion, the family fled looking for refuge. They found themselves in Bermuda and lived there for a number of years where Beekner says, the blessed relief of coming out of the dark and unmentionable sadness of my father's life and death, entering into a fragrance and greenness and light. Beekner, he knew what it was to find refuge in this life amid great sorrows. And having lived through service in World War II, he went on to college where he discovered poetry and writing through his studies. And in the years he was graduating from college, he started attending Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. And the pastor there was a man named the Reverend George Buttrick. And when I was in seminary and studying homiletics, which is preaching, we had to read a book this thick <laughs> by George Buttrick. That's all I remember about the book, it was this thick. <laughs> but he was apparently quite the preacher. And it was during one of Buttrick's sermons that Beekner heard the words that inspired his journey toward Christian vocation and toward ordination. So in the sermon, Buttrick described the inward coronation of Christ as taking place in the hearts of those who believe in him among confession and tears and great laughter. The impact of this phrase on Beekner was so great that he eventually entered seminary. And Beekner said of this time, I wanted to learn of Christ, about the Old Testament, which had been Christ's Bible, and the New Testament, which was the Bible about him, about the history of the church, which had been founded on the faith that through him God had not only revealed his innermost nature and his purposes for the world, but had released into the world a fierce power to draw people into that nature and adapt them to that purpose. No intellectual pursuit had ever aroused me in such an intense curiosity, and much more than my intellect was involved, much more than my curiosity aroused in an unfamiliar setting of a Presbyterian church of all places. I had been moved to astonished tears, which came from so deep inside me that to this day I have never fathomed them. I wanted to learn more about the source of those tears and the object of my astonishment. An act of faith, it is. In the, in the face of all evidence to the opposite, we would stand and sing, we have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word, he has never failed us yet. Don't be discouraged when troubles come your way. The Lord will bear all your burdens and turn all your night into day. We have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. You're going to sing those words a little bit. Frederick Buechner says, Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen 
don't be afraid. It is the gospel proclaimed by psalmist and gospel writer alike, by prophet and by poet through the pen of Paul and the proclamation of people like the author of Hebrews. You have come this far by faith. It was by faith that the people in ancient times crossed through the Red Sea. And he goes on to tell history through the lens of faith. Look at those who came before us. Do you think life was easy for them? That faith came easily for them? No, their faith was hard won. Do you think that passing through the Red Sea with the soldiers, the soldiers of Egypt hot on their heels was a cakewalk? And those who stood outside of Jericho's walls as they waited to see what God would do, was life a picnic in the park? Or was it easy for Rahab who faced certain death for dealing with spies? Or was it easy for those who through faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice and obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword we hurried all before. They suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were destitute, persecuted, and tormented. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Do you think any of this would have been possible without faith? The author of Hebrews goes on to say about his own day, so life is no less daunting today, I know. We are surrounded by a deluge, though, of historical evidence that life is possible through faith. He goes on to say, in so many words, I know you've got troubles. The world seems on the brink of disaster, war, disease, inflation, scarcity, the increase of incivility, the chaos of crime, the collapse of kindness, the plague of polarities, the decline of democracy, the dearth of duty, the helter-skelterness of hopelessness, and the grief, uh, the grief of the grave. We have seen it all, you, me, and our ancestors in faith. We do not know, any of us, what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. We have come this far by hope. We have come this far by trust. We have come this far by faith. We could easily look out at this congregation and make our own lists of the saints who have endured so much, abiding cancer, surviving alcoholism, overcoming financial disaster, injustice, abuse, physical pain, emotional challenges, and loss. Loss of mobility, loss of hearing, loss of loved ones. And hasn't faith played some part in your, in our making it to today? The author of the letter to Hebrews encourages us, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith for, who, for our sake and for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand, the hidden and holy hand of God. As Buechner said, here is the world. 
beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't know what Frederick Buechner would have to be afraid of, but I do know where his hope lay. God's love shown for us in Jesus Christ. He says, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. The worst thing isn't the last thing about the world. It's the next to last thing. The last thing is the best. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world that wells up from the rock bottom worst of the world like a hidden spring. Can you believe it? The last best thing is the laughing deep in the heart of the saints. Sometimes our hearts too. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed. All is well. Beekner says. I was struck by that word laughter because in that Hebrews passage, it doesn't sound like much laughter. And so I did a little searching and I remembered that Martin Luther, for all the, the, the hidden and holy Lutherans in our midst, Martin Luther had a few things to say about laughter. If the earth is fit for laughter, then surely heaven is filled with it. Heaven is the birthplace of laughter. The gospel is nothing less than laughter and joy. If I am not allowed to, if I am not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. And the heart overflows with gladness and leaps and dances for joy, the joy it has found in God. In the experience, in this experience, the Holy Spirit is active and has taught us in the flash of a moment the deep secret of joy. You will have as much joy and laughter in life as you have faith in God. You will have as much joy and laughter in life as you have faith in God. And unless you think that Lutherans have the corner on mirth and laughter in the holy life, John Calvin concedes we are nowhere forbidden to laugh. We are nowhere forbidden to laugh, to be satisfied with food, to be, delight, to be delighted with music. We are nowhere forbidden to laugh, and then let us do so. Let us draw strength from the community of the saints and of the faithful. Listen to the saints in our midst who say, the last best thing is the laughing deep in the heart of the saints. Sometimes our hearts even. Yes, you are terribly loved and forgiven. Yes, you are healed. All is well. When we despair at the state of the affairs of this world, remember who holds tomorrow. And with a joyful heart, sing out, we have come this far by faith. Thanks be to God who in Jesus Christ extends to each of us the promise of a joyful resurrection this day and forevermore. Amen.